to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 140th episode of the podcast, airing July 18th, 2022. Now, in this episode, I'm excited to welcome back to the program special guest Joe O'Neill to join me in a discussion on Leo season 2022. Now, Joe and I break down all the nitty-gritty of this year's fired-up Leo energy that is going to reactivate the Saturn-Uranus square, while also giving us a super-rare Mars-Uranus-North Node conjunction in Taurus. Both the new moon and full moon signatures are totally lit, and this coming 30-day period is bound to play a key role in illuminating our individual hearts guiding us towards slow-going developments that only can be prompted by fate herself. Destiny is certainly in the making. Now, to see our lovely faces while we step through the charts, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you would like to support this program, you can come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation with yours truly. You can leave a tip in my tip jar, uh, and you can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind. Now, big, big announcement here. I have a new course alert. So is anyone out there looking to go further with planetary rulership and essential dignities? Whether you're a total newbie to astrology or have reached a seasoned intermediate level, my new four-week course offering, Chain of Command, can take your planetary and house delineations to the next level by working with one of astrology's most important tools in the Celestial Toolkit. Now, in this live and interactive four-week program, we will meet each Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Now, that is uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, and I believe it's about 8 p.m. maybe over there in Europe. You'll have to check your your time converter, Uh, but we will meet for two-hour-plus sessions. I'll say plus because I know, knowing me, I'll probably go over, Uh, which start on July 31st. Now, the first week will have us setting the stage for planetary rulership and going deep into each planet in its domicile and detriment positions. Now, in week two, we'll move on to each exaltation and fall position, what it means to have dignity and debility, and how these realistically play out in the chart. And of course, we're going to be using in-person student examples so we can get real-life feedback right away. And the goal is to help you look at these key essential dignities, not in like a cookbook, like it means this or it means this. We want to really understand why those positions and those planets and those signs uh, activate the way that they do. So that is the core. Uh, that is the core. Um, learning chunk that we're going to be dealing with in in week one and week two. Now, in week three, we're going to go into looping planetary chains, which are always fascinating. We're going to look at final dispositors. We're going to look at mutual reception uh, and, of course, go through lots of juicy chart examples there. And in week four, it's all going to be about housekeeping as we decipher how these chains of command affect the houses and how they carry out their affairs. So does that sound like fun to you? Because I know it's going to be a whole lot of fun, and I'm so excited to get uh, to be teaching 
teaching again. Um, so I hope that you're interested in joining. And if you are, the course is $200 for the four live sessions, which you will have access to download and keep forever. So no worries if you can't make it live, uh, along with a private Discord group uh, that I will create where we can chat it up, we can ask questions and share chart examples. Now, to find out more about the course or to register, you can do so at energeticprinciples.com slash courses, or just click the link to wherever you are listening to this in the podcast. All right, so who is ready to hear all about Leo season? Here we go. Now, let's meet our guest. All right. I'm so happy to welcome back to the program. We have Joe O'Neill with us here today. Thanks for joining me again, Joe. Oh, thanks so much for having me again. These are always so fun with you. Yeah. she. Uh, if you did not catch her before, it was Pisces season 2021. Um, and if you go back and listen to the episode, there might be a, a different name there, but Joe <laughs> has metamorphosed <laughs> into a wonderful... Uh, I imagine it being like, you've had a very busy year. Let's just say that. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, but the, the glow and the smile on the other end is is worth all of it. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode uh, and hear us banter, because, you know, we have a good uh, conversational chemistry. Um, so I'm excited to have her back here again. So just in case uh, listeners aren't familiar with you, Joe, give us a little little rundown of yourself. All right. So uh, my name is Joe O'Neill. I am based in Oklahoma City. I'm a writer and astrologer here. I just started my consulting practice back up after uh, a long hiatus during a busy year. Um, And I'm so, so happy to be back. Um, I specialize in 12th house work and doing what I've been playing around with calling kind of narrative astrology, which is very driven by storytelling. Um, I'm really interested in how we can engage the chart in a storytelling kind of way to sort of use fantasy as um, both a a buffer for a reality that often feels quite harsh, but also a way to connect back to it in a way that feels safer, feels purposeful and intentional. Um, In a, in uh, fewer words, I'm a huge story nerd. I'm a huge Tolkien nerd. <laughs> um, so like these images and references from like stories that are close to me and close to my clients are just a huge part of what enriches my work. So uh, that's a little bit about me. I love that, Joe, because I mean, we're telling stories every day, whether we realize it or not. Like this oh, yeah. is, is story time from the moment we wake up. I mean, while we're sleeping too, it's like everything is story if we choose to look at that. So I love that you add that into your work. Um, and the moniker that you've taken on a Joe maker of ways, uh, <laughs> which I love because I mean, we're all, that's, it's what we're doing here on this planet is we're carving out a path for ourselves, uh, and the storyline that goes with it is crucial to what that that path um, becomes and also how we perceive what that path is <laughs> to some extent. So, right. Right. Yeah. I love that. And, and if you didn't get a chance to, um, uh, we all came together in 2021 to do uh, a summit uh, astrology of awakening Two, And you had a wonderful presentation on the 12th house there. So if anybody hasn't caught that, I think you're, uh, don't, you are providing that as, um, you have that for sale. Do you have that for sale? Mm-hmm. I yeah. do. I do. Yeah. It's available on my website and that's, that's part of my, uh, moniker Joe maker of ways that's called the talk was called Waymaking to the 12th house. And so like way making is 
sort of how I characterize that storytelling 12 house work. And to be honest, when I changed my website URL last year, like joeoneal.com wasn't available, like no combination of what I wanted was available. <laughs> and so I just incorporated like way making into it in a way that I could, but I think it, uh, it ended up feeling very right. So it's like, I feel like I'm kind of, it was kind of like a message to continue to like do this work and like continue this work with that being the URL that was available. There's like the Virgo backstory to like the Leo presentation of like my presence online and stuff. Um, but yeah, so Waymaking to the 12th house is available on my website. It's pretty easy. to find. Yeah. So if you have any 12th house planets, I mean, and you don't even need 12th house planets really, because we all have a 12th house. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all have a 12th house. Um, and I, you know, I like, I wasn't quite looking at it before. I mean, I was, you know, I look, you know, look at these things. Sure. I do have Pluto there with a T square to my luminaries. So I probably should be looking at this. <laughs> um, but since that, since that presentation, I just started to look at, it's kind of think about all rising signs based on that 12th house placement. And it's, um, it's very eye opening. So, uh, Ooh. definitely, uh, add it to your repertoire. And especially if you're a 12th house person, because, um, yeah, it's a it's a tricky little domain. <laughs> it, it can be kind of slippery. It can be kind of slippery. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so, all right. Well, today, 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 we are here to talk about Leo season, um, twenty twenty two. What year is it? Year. Right. <laughs> it's already halfway through this year. I don't know about you, but ooh, it's just flying by. It is flying by. I can never. Uh, I, it's always such a trip to think about time. I just feel like since mm. 2020, my sense of time has been so warped. And I feel like everybody's been saying that too. Well, and it it makes a lot of sense because one of the things when I was doing kind of um, like this, just like a little research on what Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in uh, last times they happened in air signs and especially in Aquarius, what were some of the signatures, uh, you know, back in the, you know, 1300s. And one of the things that came up was actually time um, because there was new, uh, you know, kind of clockwork, like people were going by more specific uh, facets of time or increments of time and bringing that into the daily life. And so I, I was like, I think there's going to be some sort of nature of a switch with time. And it wasn't so much like the increment of it, but it's like the perception of it. Uh, and I guess that happens when you get older too, you know, Saturn being connected with time. But uh, as they say, it's like the older you get, the the quicker the clock goes. It's like, you know, I feel like, I feel like it's like stranger things. Like it's just like yeah. dinging and they're coming for you. And you're like, no, it's not yeah. but um, yeah, anyways, it's, I totally feel that. And I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's Jupiter, Saturn. I don't know if it's all those things. I don't know if it's the fact that life is totally different <laughs> than it was oh, a couple years ago. hundred percent. I feel like it also has to be a little bit of the Saturn Uranus square too. Like Saturn oh, yeah. oh, being time thing. and Uranus just, oh, you know, just that. It's just yeah. in the background for like years now. That's fine. <laughs> Well, and we're we're probably going to be bringing that up here a little bit today. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, because Leo season being uh, the fixed fire sign is going to activate uh, all the action going on in Taurus with Uranus, uh, the North Node, and of course, Mars there now. And we are experiencing a very unique configuration in the skies, which I'm excited to pick your brain about, Joe. And of course, you know, Saturn's over in 
Aquarius, just chilling, retrograde, but and chilling, yeah. and much as much as Saturn can chill. Um, and we are going to have a very integral uh, full moon <laughs> that is going to light up um, the Saturn Uranus square. Because even though it's not exact, still it is in close enough proximity to where we are still feel it, and we're working out its kinks. Um, so, I mean, just Saturn, Uranus, just in general, Joe, what have you noticed or, or what, <laughs> what has come up for you with that square or, you know, kind of think about it, piecing it out? Um, let's see. It's been a uh, pretty, pretty classic um, Saturn in its domicile, one of its domiciles, if you use traditional rulers, really trying to establish something, establish new structures, establish doing things in a new way, um, where I feel like Saturn and Capricorn was, had, had a distinct, and it had to do with Jupiter's, you know, Jupiter's transits during Saturn and Capricorn as well, Jupiter being in Capricorn. But Saturn and Capricorn felt very much like the old hanging on Mm. And Saturn and like a little bit more past oriented or like retrospective oriented and Saturn and Aquarius is feeling to me a lot more like, where are you now? Like, what are we doing now? How do we like, we're building now we're building something new from the, from the things that were broken down when we had, you know, Saturn, South node Pluto in Capricorn and that, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, okay, so all those leftover materials from all these things breaking down and us really seeing where things aren't going to last, how are we going to build them in a way to last now? And then that all sounds great. And then there's Uranus and Taurus. That's like, how about several curveballs in a row all the time? (laughs) Um, And as these squares or as these squares perfect and come closer and separate a little bit, it's like the process is breathing a little, mm. but there is a lot here around to, to me personally about remaining agile and building whatever we're building to be flexible enough. Um, I was talking with a friend uh, just the other morning about building like skyscrapers with enough flex to be able mm. to move with the wind enough so that they're not brittle And I thought that was a really, I I don't think it was Saturn Uranus related, but it feels appropriate for like, how do you, how do you implement and establish the things that need structure and stability in your life while giving them enough flex to be able to respond to the unexpected because, um, it's everywhere all the time, (laughs) um, even without Uranus, but especially with Uranus, a lot of these Taurian fixed earth things that we may have, um, assumed would remain so constant are no longer remaining constant and steady in our lives. And so, uh, and I, I saw a friend of mine, Ari tweeting about responsibility and they added a hyphen, like responsibility, like how do, like, what is our ability to respond and how do we cultivate that, um, as a part of the Saturn and Aquarius stuff that we're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, we see it everywhere. That's, and that's what makes Uranus and Taurus such an interesting transit to begin with, because it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, if there's one sign that isn't known for budging or known for flexibility, 
Uh, it's going to be Taurus. And uh, I mean, a lot of fixed signs, of course, but fixed earth in particular, it's like the densest and most oh, yeah. compact, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. energy there. And we see that we're seeing it every day. We're still dealing with supply chain issues, power issues, things that were fixed in, you know, government law suddenly breaking apart for a uh, new conversation or lack of conversation. You know, like there's, there's yeah. all these things that we took for took for granted to some extent. Yes. Um, and we have to be flexible within those changes because I think, you know, I feel like, I personally feel like the universe has some sort of uh, divine intention behind it where things don't change for no reason at all. Um, there is some purpose to, to what shakes and reconfigures itself. But when we're in the midst of it, um, and especially in areas that we want something to be of constant, like you said, that, that give for that building, like that building's just going to break over. It's going to tower itself down, you know, if you don't yep. sway, sway with the breeze. And it's like, you go to the store and you're fa- like my cat food was not on the shelf. <laughs> Yesterday, not and I'm like, I, not the cat. I was like, how am I going? I can't just integrate a cat to new food. And even the, <laughs> the other bag I bought was like, uh, you know, piece it in every 10 for 10 days. Just put a little bit here. And I'm like, I have no food. This is, <laughs> but I gave it to her this morning and she, she was so flexible. I came back <gasps> and was done. She ate that food faster than the one before. So, you know, no. Oh, see a blessing. Sometimes you think the Saturnian isn't going to budge and like cats are ruled by Saturn. That's such a funny analogy, but see a a surprise, a new way. It's the new age of air. Your cat can eat new food without being upset. And I'm pretty sure she's a Taurus. So maybe she is like, Mm. she's, she's into the Uranian. And she's like, you know what? It ain't so bad. (laughs) <laughs> it's different. It's not what I've been eating for the last three, four years, but you know what? I'm going to give it a go. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh so we're going to get a, we're going to get a, more of a dose of that. Uh, not just with cat food, um, this, this season with Leo. Um, we also have a very interesting new moon that's going to be happening, uh, with a trine to Jupiter, who's going to be stationing retrograde. And so, um, uh, that that'll be interesting to think about too. I'll pick your brain more on uh, just Jupiter in <laughs> Aries. I mean, I have you uh, any Jupiter and Aries insights thus far as we get almost to the station here? You know, it's it's the ninth house for me, and I I usually really love Aries transits. Like I feel very invigorated. It's got like the trine of my ascendant because I've got a fire ascendant, etc. Um, but Jupiter and Aries really feels to me like taking the visionary kind of hopes and dreams. We got a dose of with Jupiter and Pisces and being like, how do we put them into action? Yeah. Like, how do I make this happen? And there's like a, been a sense of urgency that I've seen where it feels like it's really time to start doing it. Like it's time to start taking uh, what we have imagined to be a really good idea or a really good direction to go and like take the first step and then take the next step. And, um, especially when Mars was in Aries as well, it felt that that urgency was just amped up even more. It was like, we got to do it all right now. And it's like, of course we know Jupiter's going to station retrograde and dip back into Pisces. Um, and it's interesting to observe how those feelings are kind of evolving as Jupiter slows down 
of course, to station like right around the same time as that new moon. Uh, so I'm interested to pick your brain about that too. But I've, I've noticed that urgency and the desire to put dreams into action with Jupiter and Aries for sure. I totally agree because it, it's like you're, you're told, you know, Aries, this is initiating, yep. this is starting, this yep. is passion. This is also courage. And I have a, yes. um, I have a little card on my desk that says, this might be backwards. No, it isn't. Courage equals fear plus action. And I think that's what Jupiter, I always liken Jupiter sometimes to pushing us in the pool because Jupiter is going to move us forward no matter what. And a lot of times, you know, Aries can be not so inviting for some people because maybe they do have a passion or a dream or something they want to start, you know, everything that we were conceptualizing and kind of envisioning in Pisces. But that doesn't mean, you know, the dream is really nothing without the action. And that's essentially that Jupiter uh, piece. Um, But I feel like Aries is always great at bringing up some crisis. So I think sometimes we get to the action component because we're at a crisis in our life and it doesn't have to be something crazy where we're like bleeding from our heads or something like that. It could be just, you know, like, like, uh, there are a certain well of, um, money outlet has dried up. And so that wonderful idea that you have, that you want to take your passion into action and, and start offering that in some way is going to take courage. It's going to take that initiation. Um, but you can't go back because this other part is no, it's no longer, it's not satisfying or it doesn't, uh, just make you feel alive. I mean, there's a really strong component and we're going to probably get into that with Leo season two, about feeling alive and in the moment and engaged with your life because being, uh, having fire energy as you do as well. Isn't that, isn't that a main component of it? Like the vitality of being here on this planet. (laughs) 100%. It's like this idea that like, you know, the water element, it's like the element of emotion and with earth, it's like the tangible, physical, practical air being intellectual and fire being spirit, being like inspired and inspirited and like that uh, motivation that comes from passion rather than like obligation. And I think that's so, so crucial. So in a way it's like Jupiter and Aries can kind of, they're not incompatible, um, but there's, there's, it has quite an, uh, that, that passion can have quite an aggressive tone in Aries and can like bring up crisis. And at the same time, offer us the tools to be ready to take it on. And then of course, it's just the challenge of making sure we, do, do enough critical thinking to, to kind of back <laughs> up the courage so we're not just taking risks left and right yeah. for the hell of it and for the feeling of, you know, feeling alive. But alive, absolutely yeah. agree with the passion yeah. piece. That's, yeah. <laughs> we got to have a, we got to calculate a little bit in there. Uh, just, maybe a that's bit, what, yeah. just a little bit. Maybe that's what Saturn and Aquarius is helping us with too. It's like, I oh, think so. This bigger picture, you know, let's yep. rise above. Let's, let's piece this out. Um, yeah. So now a couple of things with the, uh, our personal planets here, we have Mercury has just, uh, actually Mercury at the time of Joe and I speaking, it's going to make its, uh, superior Kazemi tomorrow in, in the skies, uh, in cancer trining Neptune. I, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like doing much right now. I'm like, my focus is just like party. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that might mean. Party. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's, but that being said, it's pulling away. And so in Leo season, it is going to be in Leo by the time we get there. 
Uh, and then in Virgo, uh, it's going to be hanging out in Virgo and it's domicile there in the latter half of Leo season. We have Venus moving into Cancer, which as a Venus in Cancer, I'm excited for that. Uh, and then also with Leo, she's going to be stirring the pot of all the fixed square action. And of course, we talked about Mars earlier about Mars is doing things in Leo season. Oh, yeah. Big, uh, you, you spoke on Mars and uh, Aries for a hot second. What, what do you, what do you think about Mars and Taurus and, uh, getting closer to the Uranus North node and activating the eclipse too? Jeez. Wow. No, goodness. It's just, uh, it's a lot at once. Every, every, I feel like every Taurus transit is a lot at once when we've got like the North node and Uranus <laughs> and then you gotta, you gotta like cross that threshold for every single planet. Mars and Taurus has been interesting. Um, my partner has Mars and Taurus. So I've just been kind of like observing like what it looks like natally from, from very close up and then like what it feels like. And I think it's interesting that when I I believe it was the same day, like within five or six hours or, or at least within one day when Mars entered Taurus, uh, Mercury entered cancer. Mm -hmm. So there's this big shift from, from, uh, fire and air to earth and water. And, What's interesting to me is that Mars rules Aries. So while Mars it was not co-present with Jupiter and Aries anymore, it was kind of like, there's this Jupiter in Aries. How do we put our dreams into action? And then I feel like Mars in Aries, um, or Mars in Taurus, I'm sorry. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Scarlett Coote, who is an astrologer from Australia, mentioned Mars in Taurus being like um, having almost a quality of like wanting to keep things. Like I want this thing and I want to keep it. And so it's like, how do we make whatever the Jupiter and Aries stuff is like keepable? And of course the challenge is we're kind of in new territory here. There's always some kind of new territory with the, with Uranus and Taurus and then like the Saturn square. And now the North node that it's like trying to be really persistent with the with the goals we're pursuing and the way we're taking action. And like, at the same time, Mars is ruling this South node in Scorpio. Mm. So it's like, if you want this thing and you want to keep it and have it and hold it and like possess it in some way, like something you feel you've earned or you've worked for it or you're working for right now, like what kind of space does there need to be somewhere else? Maybe in that Scorpio area of your life that's necessarily going to need to go away or you're going to have to say no to it when you said yes, or um, just kind of like releasing stuff that has built up, like fixed water can hold a lot of buildup in us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm interested in how it kind of continues to play out, especially throughout this month as Mars approaches the North node and Uranus and you know, what's, what's that going to stir up, you know, in, in the deep lakes of, um, Scorpio and in, in these areas we may have taken for granted, et cetera, but it's like not the same kind of stabilizing that I, uh, often associate with Saturn and Aquarius and like this establishment of these structures, but it's very like a, a martial desire to kind of stay consistent with whatever it is that we're deciding we're going to do now, or we're doing right now. Um, so I'm interested to see when it gets shaken up by the, yeah, by the no, other I, guests in Taurus. 
I, yeah, I, I love that. I feel like that is right on point and it's right on point where I'm at at this particular moment. moment. I'm, I'm kind of laughing to myself when you're talking about like the deep waters of Scorpio being a Scorpio rising myself. And <laughs> the thing that I'm, I'm like leaning up to that's probably going to happen around the full moon is, um, I had a friend who, well, my partner just did this like a couple months ago, but I had a friend who just brought it up like two days ago um, about a parasite cleanse. And I mean, I don't know. I don't have, we all have parasites. I don't know what's going on in there, but it sort of intrigued (laughs) me. And there's like a full moon challenge that goes along with it, um, where supposedly parasites are more active, you know, during the full moon. And so if you want to do like a parasite cleanse, uh, it can be good to really do it around, to center it around the full moon so that when they're active, they're most likely to be eradicated because you can kind of get to them and flush them out of your system. Um, and I'm like thinking about the South node in my first house and like, and I'm going through my Uranus opposition right now on my angles. And I'm like, if there's any time to eradicate some unwelcome hanger outers, <laughs> you know, this is the time. So yeah, you're it's like, I don't the perfect time. It's like, it's, it's so perfect that it's like, do you ever have those stories either like from clients or in your own life where you're like, this sounds like a made up example. Like that's how yes. on point it is. It sounds like you would just pull these things out of the air and be like, you know, first house Scorpio rising, like South node, like a parasite cleanse. Oh Except it's really right. Exactly. And, and yeah. like, I'm like, well, my partner did it a couple months ago and he wanted me to do it with him then. And I was like, mm. No, I'm like, <laughs> I was just, I was like, not ready for that. But now I'm ready. And I'm like, do you want to do this with me? And he's like, oh, I already did it. I'm kind of over it. And I'm like, you know, you're, you could do it each month. You can literally, literally do it. So, and I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyways. And he's like, well, let me think about it. So um, <laughs> the, the seventh house component, maybe it'll come out of the blue and he'll be like, I'll there do you it with you. Okay. Um, so anyways, ho- hopefully not to gross anybody out, but you know, they're, they're in there. They're in there. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, that being said, let us get into our transit breakdown because there's a lot to go through here. So I'm going to go ahead, if you're watching the video here, and share um, the screen for our uh, astrology chart. We have the Leo ingress happening July 22nd uh, at 1.07 p.m. here in San Diego. So that would be, do the math, Mel, 4.07 p.m. Eastern. Um, and so what's going on when, when, what the, it's a Friday, it's a Friday, happy Friday. It's Leo season. It's a, it seems like a good way <laughs> to start. Oh yes. We love yeah. to see it. Yeah. So, uh, Taurus moon and late degrees there having gone through all the, uh, this is interesting. The last couple of seasons have started with a last quarter moon kind of taking place where we kind of like go through the first week or so of the season, kind of wrapping up old business from the lunar cycle before. And, and this season's not uh, any different than that, really. But the the fun part of it seems to be, though, is that the weekend um, that is coming uh, on the 23rd and 24th is we have a very Jupiterian weekend going on. We have um, Mercury in Leo now is going to make a trine to Jupiter on the 23rd. And then Venus in Cancer is going to square Jupiter on the 24th. So um, I think we're going to get some insight into in some Jupiter action there. So any uh, thoughts about Mercury going with Venus is like Venus, I don't know. I want to ask you about Venus and cancer on top of that. I'm throwing a lot of things at you one time. 
give me what you will, but I'm curious about all those things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, so speaking of this sort of relationship between Mars and Jupiter right now, Mars still having something to do with what Jupiter and Aries is doing, Mm -hmm. but being in Taurus, um, the ruler of the North node, of course, is Venus and Venus is now in Cancer. So I've been, uh, I, I jotted down a couple things here as I was kind of looking at Leo season and, you know, with Jupiter and Aries, it feels a lot to me about kind of like what we feel we must do now. Um, and Mars feels like what we, what we want to have and keep, as I was mentioning. And with Venus moving into cancer, I, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of like how that is experientially. But it's like, how do we want that to feel? Like if we're working so hard towards something, like how do we want it to feel? Like there's there's so much with um, Jupiter and Aries that does have to do with taking risks and being courageous, but we also have to take care of ourselves. Mm. And with Venus, just on a very simple level, being like the things we enjoy, the things that feel good, there is, I, I would wager there will be some stuff coming up around like, yeah, you're doing all this work. We're really managing a lot, trying to stay agile, but like, how does it feel? Does it still feel good? Do you still feel safe? Like, are your needs met? And it's always really interesting around Leo season when we have uh, very often Mercury and or Venus in Cancer with the sun being in Leo. So they're kind of like averse to each other. So there's this sort of twofold thing about like this, this passion and this fixed fire of Leo, like you were speaking to, but also like, don't forget about your needs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you threw a lot of stuff and I'm like, it's, it's kind of all sticking and I'm just like rolling through it. So please jump in at any time. No, but, I love it. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, with, yeah, go ahead. Oh, with, uh, with Mercury being in Leo trining Jupiter, um, here at the beginning of Leo season, Um, when I think about Leo being a sign that's ruled by the sun, um, that has so much to do with like selfhood and identity, that soul, Mm -hmm. solar principles, um, it has a lot to do with illumination as well. Being, um, being the sign of the sun, you know, when the sun is up, it's, it lights up everything. We can see there's something about perception and how we're perceived, how we're perceiving ourselves. And so I wonder with these Leo transits, making this, these trines to Jupiter, if it's going to be like, what do I want it to look like? Like, here's the thing, like, what, what must I do Jupiter and Aries? What do I really want it to look like? How do I want it? What do I want it to mean about me? Um, cause of course with Leo, there's so, what, <laughs> what it is all about, about you. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But, and, but, you know, on a, on a very real level, I think it, it does bring up this stuff about like our self-concept. So, I'm interested to see what that brings into the mix and how we're balancing that with the Venus and cancer. How does it feel like are are my needs still met? And it's a lot of moving pieces to kind of um, to navigate and to juggle here. Um, but I think Mercury specifically trying Jupiter Mercury in Leo can feel kind of like a declaration Uh, or of some kind where it's like, I want to be able to like say it and then like walk my talk and be like, this is the thing I'm doing. And like this and have the implication of this is what it means about me and where I am right now and whatever process you're in. So 
those are those are some initial thoughts. Uh, I don't. I now not sure if I covered everything you. you no, uh, you did. You tossed, but yeah. those are some thoughts. Joe, you didn't cover everything. No, you totally covered everything. <laughs> Darn. Um, yeah. No, and I think you're you're right, raising a really good point um, uh, on a couple of levels there because you're absolutely right. Leo is about that selfhood. It's about that illumination of who you are as an individual. What What is that fire that lights up the vitality of the spirit and the things that we were talking about earlier? Mm-hmm. And Mercury seeing the bigger picture of that with the trine to Jupiter and now Mercury backed by a sun in its domicile. It's like Mercury all of a sudden, you know, before it had like that late cancer degree energy. And now it's like, okay, all right. I see the light. You know, we have a poignant zero degree or one, you know, the beginning here um, of Leo and it's informing this uh, Mercury who's trining Jupiter. And, And we have to keep into context here. We are getting ever closer to Jupiter who's going to be stationing retrograde to do its whole backwards dance to then uh, eventually get back into Aries to fill the first half or at least the the winter and spring of 2023. And so there can be really, in my mind, there can be really uh, keen insights and like bigger picture Uh, just awareness of the things that we were talking about. Like, who is this new person that I'm becoming? What is authentic for me? How does that bode well? Maybe I'm not there quite yet. I have to go back with this with uh, Jupiter needing to retrograde. But there's something that's like, okay, I get the bigger picture of where I'm headed and maybe even get a dose of like mental confidence around it. Now, the Venus piece is interesting too, because I mean, Venus and Jupiter, it could just be like, oh, I just want to indulge for the weekend. I'm not doing much. You know, she just might, you know, like be doing that. Um, But there is also just, you know, we have to keep in mind that Venus is uh, a planet associated with unions and partnership and coming together with other people. And it's interesting to be really aligned with your own selfhood and what that means for relationships. And so if relationships are pushing forward in some way, there can be tension a little bit when you're honoring your own needs, like you you brought up. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do I need within this? And so if you kind of have a moment and then you share that with someone who's important in your life and they're like, wait, but what? Or, uh, or I'm not comfortable with this, or you're not comfortable with even sharing that. Maybe they don't have a problem with it. Maybe it's like, you're worried about what they might think about this new, you know, uh, bold you that is coming to the surface. And so these are kind of the things that come, uh, up in my mind, uh, through the, <laughs> through this, um, ugh, I can't speak anyways. Neptune. Yes. <laughs> Blame it on. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good point too. And even just like within our own selves, this, um, you know, Aries does speak to independence and autonomy. Yeah. And so when we see a square between Venus and Jupiter, you know, first of all, it's with, with square configurations, it's often like these planets are at cross purposes, but with Venus and Jupiter, especially like you mentioned, like indulgence and things like that, they, they're typically friends. They're typically like <laughs> not at the edge of getting into a fight all the time or something. Yeah. Just their significations are very complimentary, but it's, it, it could feel like a little bit of a pull between the like ambition and the pushing forward and the doing it for yourself and the, but I really do need support or like, but I want to take a rest. Like I need a rest within mm-hmm. some of this. And like, how much do I rely on other people? How much do I give to other people? And how much do I save for myself and for this project or ambition or uh, just kind of 
pioneering sense of a new phase of some kind. Mm, I totally agree with that because, you know, Venus, especially when she meets up with Jupiter, she can overcommit herself. She can be like, yeah. oh, I'll take on this. I'll take on that. I'll help you there. I'll help this. And then you're like, am I helping myself? Or maybe I'm helping myself too much and you're not showing up for other people that you said, you know, and there can just be mm-hmm. some back and back and forth with that. So I think that's a really good point to bring up. But um, it also feels like it could be a really creative weekend too, if you're just, you know, feeling inspired in some way and, uh, you know, cause the, the squares do activate and they can just activate into action. So if you're feeling called and that whatever Mercury kind of downloaded from Jupiter and Venus is like, Oh, let's do this. Let's put this imagination to work and see, see what pops up. Um, cause it, it's a, it's a huge wild card for the end of July through the beginning part of August. Because if you see in the chart here, the, if you're watching the video, you know, the, Mars is essentially on the solar eclipse point. It's, it's exactly on the 20th, but this is where Uranus was in that solar eclipse chart. Um, and it's just inching its way to this conjunction of the three here. So there is just this very... kind of energy that is like circulating right now so um which could be there's a spontaneity that comes with it i mean as spontaneous spontaneous that taurus can be right but, but it's there it's it's there um and maybe spontaneity takes over and then all of a sudden you're like producing like crazy or you're just sticking with something and then like 16 hours have gone by and you're still like, you know, just put, in, mm-hmm. yeah, putting the, putting the work in. So these, these all possibilities. So I think the weekend into Leo season will be an interesting one, a Jupiterian one, um, and an insightful one. Um, now Mercury is not quite done with Mercury is going to be activating pardon my language, the shit out of everything. It's like, mm-hmm. it is, it is ready. Uh, and it's going to oh, continue yes. on. <laughs> it's going to continue on to uh, Tuesday, July 26th, which is actually my mom's birthday. And I started to look at her solar return chart and I was like, Oof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. What yeah. is going, mom, what is going <laughs> on? Am I going to be involved? My selfishness comes out, but, um, Mercury over there in Leo is going to be making a square to Mars uh, in Taurus and getting ready to basically light up all that Mars Uranus North Node action and heading us into the new moon that's coming just a couple of days later. So, Joe, Mercury, <sighs> Mars square, Mars square. Yeah. So, um, with with the like idea of. Venus and Jupiter being friends and generally like the square can between them creating maybe some kind of traction that's helpful or like some creative juices flowing. And there's already like a good relationship with those planets. If anything, if they don't agree, they're going to try to reconcile and compromise with, with Mercury and Leo and Mars and Taurus. what I see is someone who is like, no, I decided I'm doing this and this is the way I'm going to do it. And Mercury in Leo having some very loud opinions about it. So it's, it may not be as comfy. Um, it may be (laughs) uncomfy, but again, I think on some fundamental level, it's like, you know, Mercury is the mind and it is 
you know, here in Leo. And we're, we're trying to figure these things out, all these moving parts, this nodal axis that is just um, turning a lot for us, um, as, especially as we move into this season where the sun is going to be squaring the nodal axis, which I know we'll talk about, but Mercury, um, kind of comes through first and it's kind of like, how are we conceptualizing the, you are here of our selfhood again, Leo Mm -hmm. things, Leo keywords, how are we, how are we processing like what that means and what do we want it to mean? And how does that bump up against the, what's really happening? This like very Mars and Taurus, like, what are you physically doing though? Like what is realistically tangibly happening around you? And do you agree with it? Do you wish it were another way? Do you want to change it somehow? Um, what, what information perhaps did you get during the Mercury Jupiter trine, some sort of wider perspective where you see where that needs adjustment? And then like what kind of discomfort might come from needing to adjust and course correct when perhaps Mars and Taurus, you know, thus far for the first half of the sign has maybe dug some pretty deep grooves and gotten kind of used to the feeling of doing it one way. And perhaps if that's been aligning with what you feel you need to do to establish some of the Jupiter and Aries stuff or what have you, or just regain a little bit of a sense of stability amidst the uh, other longer term background transits, you know, what's it going to be like if you realize, if you if you see, if, if new information, Mercury, is illuminated in Leo, what are you going to do and how is that going to feel to, to consider a course correction? Yeah. It, I And well, and I think that's a very big part of where we're going with the new moon here, because essentially yeah. this is happening on, on Tuesday, the exact Mercury-Mars uh, square. Um, but it is really written. It, it's Okay. I love what you're saying because it's like what comes up and it intensifies the mind and, and motive and the mind's motivations to action or mm-hmm. the mind uh, kind of chewing apart what the action has been uh, or hasn't been. And this is all in this like balsamic phase of the moon, you know, the moon's in cancer, we're, we're yep. winding down and we are preparing for the new moon in Leo on the 28th, when Jupiter stations, right? You know, here we have this very uh, significant station happening in the sky, but Mercury is also going to be square Uranus. So I love what you're saying there because Mercury is going to get activated by this Mars and then it's going to go move that energy with the moon going over it, uh, you know, later in the day on the 28th. Um, or maybe like late in the night, but it's it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be activated, mm-hmm. uh, and Mercury is now squaring Uranus. So if and it's so interesting because you know Mercury and Mars together, this can be a very heated exchange to where there are arguments or anger or you know coming coming at uh, you know other people or within ourselves. Um, and I always think that. Anger is a very interesting thing or irritation is a very interesting thing because it tells us that something is not right or something's not, Mm -hmm. not, I mean, some people just fly off the handle because that's just them, but for the most part, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of times anger is trying to inform us of something. Um, and, and it could be informing us just like you said, of something that has to change. And this is where the Uranian component comes in and we're on the lead up to this 
really potent Mars, Uranus, North Node square, or it's not square, uh, conjunction. And then the sun's going to square that like about 10 days later. And so it's almost like whatever happens in this week leading up and this kind of mental activation with Mars, um, it's going to be embedded into this whole new moon. So what yeah. a new moon cycle, right? It's a big <laughs> Very, end. very. Oh, very, very much so. And, you know, Uranus is so, so close to the North Node that it's so like close. Mercury squared. Oh, so close. Mercury squaring Uranus. It's squaring the nodes at the same time at exactly. the moment of this new moon. And so, you know, what's... What's interesting about planets being at the bendings or square the nodal axis is like if there's a pull between north node stuff and south node stuff, it's like planets that are that are at the bendings can really see both. And it can sometimes feel kind of caught between like which one's the right one. I, I say this especially natally with transiting, it's a little bit different, but there's almost like a pinnacle sort of perspective or experience of what this axis is doing when a planet squares it. And so with Mercury being here co-present with this lunation in Leo, I'm, I'm interested to see sort of, you know, what follows that exact Mercury Mars square and then how that translates and kind of, you know, perhaps even does a little bit of foreshadowing for the Mars Uranus North node conjunction that's coming Mm-hmm. And um, this being the beginning of this lunar cycle is a lot. <laughs> it is. It's like, it's it could lot. be in the middle. It could be at the end, but it's in the whole, you know, yep. lunar signature. So yeah. 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 It's not, it's not one and done. It is, it's, uh, it's all lunar month long and probably obviously this is, this is, it's a big one. It's not like, it's like the lunar month and then it's done. It's like, we're talking about fixed signs here. We're talking about, oh yeah. Uh, nor- nodal activations that are, you know, as I say, uh, destiny inducing, you know, <laughs> faithful right. in some way. It's, it sounds like big, big stuff. And because it is, it's like this, you might look back to this time of life and be like, oh, things changed for me. Something, and it could be sometimes it's the small things. It's like, I think I've referenced this before in the podcast. It's like, say you're, you're setting off course and you uh, change your compass by, you know, just a tick, just one degree, and you're going to end up in a totally different, you know, um, port when, when you get wherever you're getting to. So it doesn't have to be major. Sometimes it can be very simple. A simple thing changes everything. So uh, it's true. And it, it, it makes me think also of just kind of being aware, especially since like you mentioned, like I thought that was a really good insight. All this uh, Mercury-Mars square happening when the moon is in this balsamic phase, it's in Cancer, it's leading up to this new moon. What are the what are the revelations you're having inside? Like there's there's plenty of stuff going on in the world and in our lives, but like what are what are what are the what is the quiet voice in you saying? Like what is the thing that feels like a little revelation that may not be like earth shaking, groundbreaking, but like, what are the things you're noticing about yourself inside yourself? What's stirring your passions? Where do you feel maybe longing? And I'm curious to see, interested to observe like how, how those things might grow. Cause you're right. It is sometimes the very small things that can be the beginning of something in hindsight when we look back. So 
Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, pay attention to your intuition at that time too, mm-hmm. just le- leading up, you know, the, the, that cancer moon. Yeah. Like, like Joe said, it could be a very personal thing. It could just be something that's churning inside of you. Um, and that you're, you're seeing or you're envisioning or just have that, that sense of something um and and venus being there also now uh in in the moon sign and she's helping to kind of balance that emotional state um and that sensory state so yeah so definitely do if there's any time to do some pre-lunation meditation i'm gonna say (laughs) midweek absolutely 27th you could get shocked by what comes in right you know mercury mars it's hard to settle down there but uh that's another thing about taurus is it really thrives in stillness to some extent too so uh there can something be something very motivating about just stilling yourself uh long enough to have the motivation or the activation kind of rise up within you rather than it being an external thing or everything's coming at you or you just have to act. Sometimes you have to stop to know how to act or not how, but you know, how you want to, or what's ideal or what you want to put your energy and motivation into, because that could be really changing right now. I mean, that's essentially Mars and Uranus. Uranus is going to disrupt something. Mars is what we put our energy and our drive into every day. The North node is like, well, where, how are you growing? How are you evolving? What's the, what's the next step here? And so change of action is very like there's very likely I think coming up here for a lot of people uh, and you might encounter some uh, as Joe said earlier curveballs where you're like oh you're doing yep. what you're mm-hmm. you're leaving what you're <laughs> moving where you know <laughs> yeah could be a lot of that going on um yeah so okay so did we cover anything here about that new moon uh, you know obviously. Mercury squaring Uranus is big. The North nose, Mars. North nose. The North nose. Um, <laughs> Jupiter. Not the South nose. No, not the <laughs> South nose. Uh, Jupiter stationing retrograde. Um, yeah, uh, just quick. Any uh, quick insights about uh, Jupiter backing into Pisces later in uh, October? Just wondering if you think any uh, insight into what it has to wrap up there. You know, um, I have been thinking about it, um, and, and interesting that this Jupiter station is happening really, really close to the new moon. I don't remember the exact dates. Is it the next day or is it the same day? Do you remember off the top of your head? For the station? It's the same, it's the same day. Yeah. same um, day. It is the The same same day. day. And it's, it's about, uh, two and a half hours after the new moon, uh, and then Mercury squares Uranus, like less than an hour after that. So it's really tight, you know, everything happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm interested in the, you know, that, that opening Leo season trine from, um, from Mercury to Jupiter and this idea that mm. when Jupiter goes retrograde, um, it's sort of like, a okay, how do we integrate the things you've been trying, the risks you've been taking, the the progress you've been making, the thing you started, if the, if it's a specific thing, um, how do you kind of take stock of that a little bit and review? And then considering that Jupiter is going to go back into Pisces, dip back in for a little bit there, is like, I wonder what 
either is in the process of or will uh, have dried up a little bit, perhaps by the time where we've we've retrograded back eight degrees and Jupiter's going to be back into Pisces. Like what will need some rehydration, either creatively, inspirationally, um, connectively, because Aries planets like to like to go it alone sometimes um, or or have uh, people to lead maybe like there's some there's some strong leadership qualities mm. with Aries being the exaltation of the sun, et cetera. But even, you know, being the best or being first or being a leader can often mean um, going it alone or operating quite independently. So it's like maybe now as uh, now being July 28th on this new moon, kind of, it is a Leo new moon. It is about, okay, like, assessing, taking stock of like, this is a time where these selfhood things are coming up and this kind of, you are here in the grand scheme of everything else that's happening in your life and inside yourself. And so with Jupiter stationing retrograde, perhaps it's time to note that assess, but also kind of like start to keep an eye on where, um, things might be drying out a little bit or burning out a little bit where we've been going really hard and we've been trying our best. And like, where do you need the support? Where do you need that hydration? Where do you need that creativity and connection? And you may not be ready to reach out for those things yet and make those connections, but maybe just like being aware of that and noticing where, um, fire can't take you all the way. Like you need these other elements too. Um, don't you wish fire could take you all the way? I know. I, do. <laughs> I know. You can't subsist oh, on passion alone. What do you mean? What? I need people. What? <laughs> but those are, those are some oh, of my thoughts there. So I'm, so I'm interested funny. to see what it feels like for all of us once Jupiter is ready to dip back into Pisces and be in that very connective space again. And I, I, th- I think that's a great point and one to uh, kind of take back into the weekend that we talked about earlier with Venus squaring Jupiter. Mm-hmm. So some of these things can kind of come up even before we get here of exactly what Joe's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we can really just look back a month, uh, a month prior uh, to the new moon in Cancer on June 28th, because that was an exact square to Jupiter. Mm-hmm. So chances are whatever has been going on in this particular lunar cycle is leading us up to the to the flowing momentum of what that Jupiter is or the turning around of that right you know the path mm-hmm. the something had changed we had to go this way we had to get more into our Jupiter and Aries spirit uh the Leo component is coming in now but there you know Jupiter's turning back around it's not like it's going to carry that trine in a very forward way. It's like something about that trine is internalized um, and needs to be reworked. So, you know, look back to late June and see what I can already think in my life. I'm like, I know exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, And there is probably, not to say a recontinuation of the story, but maybe the next chapter of that or or awareness that comes around that. So um, Mm -hmm. it's not completely new news what's coming in, but it's just being developed further and then internalized in some way to go back to this Pisces realm, which I keep thinking about Pisces being like, it's like, oh, we want to start fresh, right? With the Jupiter and Aries. And it's like, I keep thinking about emotional baggage. I'm like, what is, yeah. what's lingering at the end of Pisces that is like, mm, 
you haven't dealt with this yet. You haven't let this go. You haven't accepted what this is. You haven't like made peace, you know, like something about that, you know, you haven't dissolved that uh, in in your life or transcended that. It's a very Piscean word. You haven't transcended that yet. So how are you going to start fresh if you haven't dealt with some of these things? So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like um, sort of a side effect of Jupiter and Pisces that I noticed and that I saw some of my peers talking about as well is this idea that sometimes really, really benefic transits like Jupiter and Pisces um, can bring up a lot of our stuff. Like, is it safe to feel hopeful? Like, can I really trust the good thing? Like those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And I wonder if part of Jupiter retrograde back through Aries and back into Pisces, I wonder if that might be some of that emotional baggage or things like that being like, I thought I could believe in this, but it turns out I'm still mistrustful or it's still really difficult for me. And like getting another dose of that, like, what does it mean to surrender? What does it mean to dissolve these things? What does it really mean to, um, to, to really see the good and and try your best to trust it? And like, what obstacles are there? And those kinds of things are things I'm thinking about as well. I think that's a, that's a great point because we've all been, I mean, we all carry our own trauma in some way, but we've all been very traumatized in the last couple of years about, <laughs> definitely. Uh, you know, having the, just the world implode in us on some way and, and all the, and having to shrink into less and all these boundaries. And I, someone was writing a great little piece, uh, for, um, uh, about women always having to shrink down too. It's like, she's like, Oh, I always yeah. see in articles. It's like, when you talk about women's money, it's like, how can you spend less? And it's like, no, how about, how can you make more, you know? Like, and so we right. have these like narratives and same with like body dialogue. It's like, we have these narratives where it's like, we have to shrink down. So it's almost like this idea of hope and more and abundance and, and envisioning something and that being, you know, having faith in that reality because yeah, you could be that. It's like, we have to get through all this like conditioning that's like, absolutely, oh, no, you're, you couldn't manifest that or cause that mm. little, that little thing is in the back of the brain of a, a lot of us. And that's, that's the thing that Aries is such so good at and back to the courage equals fear plus action. It's like, you know, that can still be there, but we still move forward and, and we move forward with the hope. Right. I mean, that's the whole idea of yeah. the Pisces to Aries is it's like, mm-hmm. we've got enough hope and faith and vision in it. And then now we just kind of go for it. And so, um, and we all have that voice somewhere in our lives, somewhere, oh, absolutely. And, and especially some of us that have been more trained to to be that and stay small and like not, you know, be as larger in life that we can be. Um, and yeah, I love that you bring that up because that could be some things to work with because there are reasons to have hope and there are reasons to believe um, that we can be more than what we are now, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Pep talk. Have to, yeah. The Leo placements are here to gas you up. That's right. It's like let's let's get you in that solar energy. Anything is possible. Um, so, all right. Well, we have this dynamic new moon that we are uh, climbing up up out of uh, to basically go to a, lo- a what I call a loaded three day weekend. Now I know it's not a holiday, but it's gonna it's gonna feel like so- something's going on, um, mm-hmm. and that is uh, so Mercury, our little little pot stir here, a little trickster, is gonna come around and it's going to uh, oppose Saturn 
right as the moon crosses over it too, it seems uh, on mm-hmm. Friday. Friday, it's going to, Friday and Saturday, well, the moon's going to activate it on Friday, but Saturday the 30th is when Mercury makes that opposition to Saturn. So now, you know, here Mercury's tying Saturn into the piece, right? It's already, it's already activated Mars. It's already activated Uranus in the North Node. And now it's like, oh, Saturn, come on into this T-square. Let's, let's talk about you. Um, Because, you know, you get a lot of uh, insights and motivations and uh, that kind of, um, uh, the the genius disrupting quality of Uranus, but it's like, where does the Saturn component come in? You're like, you want to change all this about your life, but let's look about the Saturn. Um, so Mercury is going to pose Saturn on the 30th. On the 31st, uh, we have basically the 31st and the August 1st is the triple conjunction of Mars, Uranus, and the North Node. Uh, which will have the moon lighting that up on uh, on July 31st from a trine to Virgo, which is interesting, the, the moon mm-hmm. kind of supporting that. So first, Joe, what do you think about Saturn now coming into the picture with Mercury? Uh, and then obviously I want to know about, I want to know all about Mars, Uranus, <laughs> North Node. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Mercury opposing Saturn in Aquarius feels like a quality control check. Like mm-hmm. it feels like, okay, you've had this, you've had this perspective boost, Mercury, Jupiter, you've been assessing like where your needs are in that. And like, does it feel safe? And like, where can you take the risk and have the courage and what, where are your hope levels? And what, what are, what is it that you're trying to like really keep putting your energy into with Mars and Taurus and like establish it and solidify it. And that's all cool. And then Saturn's just like waiting being the last person you check in with and being I like, know. <laughs> quality there. Like, remember the biggest big picture? It's my big picture. Like, I'm yeah. the slowest moving planet. I'm in my domicile. I have a really clear view of Uranus because I've been dealing with that myself for a long time, says Saturn. And then, so it's like, you know, Mercury, any planet opposing Saturn can feel like just kind of coming up against a, a very tall, thick wall and being like, oh... Like I did, and there's kind of a feeling of gravity sometimes, or like a really big obstacle to overcome. And so I think sometimes Saturn can show up as like this, the weight of other people's expectations or like the weight of some kind of expectation we have for ourselves or like our responsibilities, what we really have to do and take accountability for. But I think you know, we've had, we've had a domiciled Saturn for a while now. And I think these Saturn and Aquarius themes in our personal lives and in our, in our personal charts, wherever Saturn and Aquarius is in your chart, it's, it's not something new, you know, it's, it's Mercury having contacted all these other placements, all these other uh, transits going on, and then getting this final look through with Saturn and being like, okay, but to proceed, how do you make this sustainable? Like, oh, you've maybe had new ideas. You've maybe had new revelations, but like sustainability still has to be key. You still have to have to build this building to last and to flex with the wind and whatever else. Um, So it's like that, it feels like that quality control check to me, which may feel kind of like a bummer, but also (laughs) may, but it has its own stabilizing effect as well. As long as we can kind of 
you know, know it's coming and like, um, accept that it's there to help stabilize, not just to, you know, feel like we're, we're being blocked from something we want, which it can feel like at first sometimes. I, I totally agree. And I mean, here's the thing is when we're blocked from something or become against an obstacle, or we're looking at something much larger that you can't just manifest in a, a blink of an eye, you know, because Saturn has that long-term effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love about Saturn, did I just say that? What I love about Saturn <laughs> is that, <laughs> and especially in Aquarius, is there is a strategic component to yes to Saturn. And sometimes we just need strategy because we, we want to manifest something that's going to take a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of foresight. Sometimes we need strategy because we're up against a wall with something and we can't go the direction or just carry Mm -hmm. through exactly how we've seen it. And you need strategy when, with the obstacle, you know, do you go up over it? Do you go around it? Do you burst right through Saturn? Maybe not, but you know, there is this, uh, there's this strategic component to it too, especially if you're just, if you, you're all riled up about Mars, Uranus and North Mm -hmm. node, um, like you said earlier with the, the Aries component, uh, with Jupiter, you can't just like fly off a handle and not have some sort of plan or like well thought out, you know, uh, way of making something happen. And so chances are there's going to be some obstacles here. There's could be mental obstacles. Sometimes it's our own mental limitations that are the thing that get in the way of us being able to expand. Once again, I feel like I'm back to courage equals fear plus action. Um, but whether there's an obstacle, whether there's a delay, whether there's a need for strategy, Saturn doesn't do it just to be a dick. There's yeah. a reason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Good> reason. <laughs> yeah. Work with it. Um, work with it. So all right, we're, we get that Saturn juice. Uh, and then all of a sudden on Saturday, um, we have this, where is it? Come on, come on. Not Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We have that moon in Virgo that is trining, uh, that Mars Uranus North node conjunction that's happening on Sunday and Monday, both. But uh, I have a feeling the the moon component is really going to light that up. So, I mean, we've been talking about this conjunction for a little while now in different ways, um, but any insight into adding a, a trining Virgo moon, like a really unsuspecting moon placement <laughs> kind of comes in and is like, I'm going to beam into this in a supportive way. Um, any thoughts there? Mm. <laughs> Our face. It is a Mercury-backed moon too, so I guess ugh, back yeah. to the Saturn component. Yeah, it. You know, this kind of reminds me of, and this is going to sound bad, and this does not mean that I think this day or this moment is going to be like horrible because I really don't. But like, it, it kind of reminds me like this Virgo moon being like, um, you know, how sometimes in a time of like crisis or something, you just have this incredible calm where you're just suddenly like, well, I understand there's a crisis and now I'm going to take it moment by moment. And it's like time slows down and you're like witnessing these things where maybe in hindsight or like in another state of mind, you might be like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. But for some reason, there's that like stoic calm, this like mercury ruled moon in Virgo. So practical, um, you know, 
backed by Mercury and Leo having just had a meeting with Saturn about sustainability and all the, you know, quality control, um, trining this, uh, Mars Uranus North node stuff makes me wonder if, if part of the Uranus North node Mars thing is like something either that is not, and you know, this feels weird coming out of my mouth, like not something totally unexpected in that, like we've had Uranus in Taurus for a while. We've had the yeah. North node in Taurus for a while. So we, we know that the terrain, like we can, we can kind of have some guesses about where the shakeup is going to be located, like in our charts and perhaps in our lives. And then I wonder if part of this is just going to be like the oh, yeah, this is, this is it, it's happening. And this is, this is a lot, but like some kind of uh, observational quality that the, that the moon in Virgo is gifting. Now, on the other hand, maybe for, for some of our listeners, like me describing like the calm in crisis, they may be like, I can't relate. I freak out during a crisis. So then there's also the other side of Virgo moons where it can be a little bit uh, nervy feeling sometimes like a mercurial moon. That's like, how do I keep a handle on all of these, you know, things that are going this way and that, and like these events that are happening or this thing that I feel building, that's like, something's going to happen. It's like a good time to, um, and this kind of reminds me of something I was going to mention when you mentioned, um, like frustration and uh, like anger and the idea of like anger as information. When we talked about the Mercury Mars square, like same with these, like with any sort of, if there is like something totally out of the blue, a wild card thing, a big like surprise that is, that may feel kind of volcanic with the combination of Mars and Uranus and the North node really amplifying that. Um, you know, fear is information. And with a Mercury ruled mutable sign, this moon has some agility available to it. Um, and it's like, what, whatever it is that, that Mars and the North Node and Uranus are going to bring, it's just going to be a matter of taking it moment by moment because it's, there's mm. really, let's think about Uranus, there's kind of no telling, but it might feel big and loud with Mars also there and the North Node also there. So um, I think the Virgo moon is a, is a nice little addition, a little, a little trine blessing. Yeah. It's well, and, it, and we're here, we're here in receptive signs. So a lot of times mm-hmm. what's shaken and quaken is just, it could be inside, which is yeah. just as disruptive as if something outside, sometimes it's even more disruptive because yeah. it's like, where can this energy go? Um, but I like the, the Virgo component coming in because Virgo is hyper aware there, there it's, mm-hmm. it, it wants to fix something. So say yeah. there's something that, that is disrupting or coming up or something we can't ignore something that wants to lead us somewhere. It's like, well, how do I, how do I fix that? What's the, what's the next step? How do I compartmentalize this? Where, what needs to transition? And especially in a very physical way, because we're talking about yeah. signs here. And so it might even be like just this bold, like inspiration that comes up that starts piecing out exactly what you got to do to, you know, informed by Saturn. And it's like, oh, did you have a plan? You didn't. Okay. Now you got to stop and do this and, and leave the Virgo moods. Like I have the energy. I have the energy. We can figure yeah. this out. Um, and I think that in this, I mean, there is nothing light about Mars, Uranus, North node meeting. 
Now there is the saving grace, I think, of having Venus and Cancer kind of backing that in in a sextile with the the Moon and. Um, you know, she's trying to help things out in, in cancer. Once again, back to our needs, like you brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. I think there, I think a lot of what's stirring up and a lot of what it needs to be figured out is some basic core uh, needs to, to keep us complete. And, and uh, you know, well, we're, yeah. we're always working towards some sort of completion or wholeness um, in ourselves and in our uh, closest partnerships and our family and our home environment. And so, uh, Venus is an interesting piece within this because she's going to uh, chime in basically on the day after, on August 2nd. So the 31st through the 2nd is just this Mars, Uranus, North Node, Moon chiming in, Venus coming in, being like, let me help you out here. Let's. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I, any thoughts on Venus and Cancer and what she might be kind of doing behind the scenes with all this Taurus action? You know, I I think to some degree it may speak to, and I feel like this is sort of a North Node Uranus and Taurus thing, or just Uranus and Taurus thing in general anyway. Mm-hmm. But like when that ground is shaken, maybe that thing we've taken for granted um, to, you know, never change or always be around, like when that goes away or gets disrupted somehow, like it can very directly feel like... Um, unsafe or like our needs are threatened somehow. So I wonder if Venus being in cancer, a sign that has so much to do with these needs and this feeling of uh, basic safety. um, I wonder if it's hearkening a little bit to that, but I wonder if it's also offering solutions and offering some support around like, don't forget there are still like, there is, there are still ways to, have you, to get your needs met, to have that be part of the equation when it feels like maybe there's a crisis to handle or there's all, all this other stuff going on. Like you not only can, but you really have to incorporate um, how it feels and your intuition. And maybe it's maybe part of the sextile from Venus and cancer is a little bit of a, an intuition piece there where it's like, trust, you know, trust where your feet tell you to go. Not just like you're looking around and like, there's a little earthquake and where do you go? But like, how does your body respond? Like what's the felt experience? And like, how can that also be information? Um, These are the kinds of things I'm thinking of with, with Venus and cancer. And, you know, again, part of something I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing in real time is just again, the, the continued entwinement of Mars ruling the South node from Taurus and Venus ruling the North node from cancer. Yeah. Um, and I like that you mentioned these are, these are passive signs. These are earth and water signs we're talking about. And like, perhaps a lot of this is kind of an internal experience. And I wonder if, you know, Mars, Uranus and the North node sounds a lot like sudden feelings of like, oh my God, I just realized I hate my job and I have to quit right now. You know, like these big, like kind of like decisions or something like that. And so I wonder if some of these rumblings like will be internal and real will be kind of these deeply felt things, which do feel often quite as groundbreaking as something external. These, like those deep realizations where you're like, oh no, like my heart isn't happy anymore. And that's, that can be, 
you know, starts inside, but you know, it's going to ripple out. So those are some of the things I'm thinking about. And honestly, sometimes those can be the hardest disruptions to deal with because depending on the person you are, that then makes it difficult, you know, maybe with Mars and his detriment position is it's like, oh, something needs to change. But if anything's going to change, it's up to me. Mm-hmm. The world, you know, the world, it's one thing if the world comes in and here's your change, deal with it. But it's yeah. another thing if it's inside and it's like, oh, I got to change. But the only one who's going to do that for me is me. And sometimes that can be much harder for people to, especially fixed people, all this fixed science, yeah. all this fixed energy out there. It's like, oh my God, I got to change, but I don't know. Um, and I mean, another thing I'm noticing with uh, clients and friends, and it's like all these people know that's they, that something's changing or they're going to go here or they're going to move here or they're going to do this. But it's like so many people still are blind to what that exactly looks like um, yes. and where they're going or what they're... So there is this component. I feel like we're still walking in this, this dark um, for a lot of us uh, that is relying on that, you know, kind of divine timing of Saturn to, and that might be still part of it why Saturn's in its retrograde cycle now. And, um, and you know, won't, it's going to take some time there. So I feel like this is a component. So if you are one of those people and I am, I am one of those people as well. Um, there is, there is more to be revealed. And it's also interesting to think about rumblings that happen when there's not actually much you can do in the moment too, and how you can navigate that, knowing that change is going to come, but you have to be patient for it because that's another thing yes. for us. And the Mars component is like, you, you want, you know what? You hate that job, but you know what? You have to pay your bills and mm-hmm. you got to have the strategy. Like, and so that quick snap decision to leave, to go somewhere else might not be a reality for you, but you can't ignore what's come up and you had to be patient with it and strategic and just keep moving along until that opportunity comes to where you can make those changes, but it, maybe it's not in this particular moment. Um, so that, that might be a reality for some people too, but I love what you said about embodying it and feeling it. And, and I'm piggybacking on that is what comes up. How do we then help that along or calm ourselves in some way? Yeah. And I think that patience piece you brought up is really, really important. Um, I, I feel like I can feel it a little bit already just in my own life of just, kind of seeing change on the horizon, not knowing exactly what it's going to look like, but feeling like in your body that it's, it's pretty certain something big is going to change and just having to wait until you're having that experience. And so then like with Venus and cancer for, for the duration that it is here at the end of July, it's like, okay, so what kind of care can we seek for ourselves? What kind of support can we give ourselves? What kind of comfort can we give ourselves? Mm. Um, as we're doing the patience thing, because, you know, every planet in a fixed sign is going to get the quality control check with Saturn, like oh, yeah. the snap decision, like Saturn's going to be like, did you have a strategy when you quit your job? If you, if you didn't, you know, we'll like hear the consequences. Yeah, Saturn exactly. It's going to be a lot harder. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, how can we care for ourselves, comfort ourselves, um, in ways that are still supportive that don't involve something like, well, I guess I'll just ignore that this change is coming completely because that's not really supportive either, but like some real solid care. It reminds me of like a really good home cooked meal is so nourishing, Mm -hmm. so delicious versus like, 
um, you know, the, the fast food or the like whatever food doesn't agree with you that tastes really good. Venus and cancer is like, where, where and how do you truly nourish yourself, body, mind, and soul? And because we, yeah. we might really need it if we're trying to be patient yes. with all this North Node Uranus stuff. 100% as a Venus in Cancer, 100%. Like that, it, mm-hmm. and that's where, our, that's where our power can be. You know, if you feel like power, the power is out of your hands in some way and you're waiting for this uh, timing that might not be your own, um, just that care and that comfort um, and continuing to acknowledge what it is you need. Because I think when you show yeah. up for whatever it is that is being disrupted or changing within you, you're still acknowledging that need. Maybe you can't like just rush forward and and make that happen, but you Mm -hmm. engage with it. You know that about yourself. You start to move in that direction because you're like, I honor the fact that I feel this way. um, And it's only right to continue to move in this direction, even if it's a slower road. Um, So yeah, I love all these things. So that's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big piece, uh, from, from that weekend. Of course, I'm starting a, a course on the 31st. <laughs> I'm like, it'll yes. be a, hopefully the Uranian action of like getting into, um, getting into astrology could be very, uh, path, path, uh, way making <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joe's, yeah. Joe's way making, um, there too, uh, shameless, shameless plug. Uh, but let's <laughs> go into Mercury. So Mercury is going to move out of Leo, uh, and into its domicile, one of its domiciles of Virgo on, uh, around the third of the fourth, depends on where you are in, in the world, but it'll have <laughs> definitely by the fourth Mercury will be in Virgo. So, um, do you have a Mercury in Virgo? Are you? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you have to be with those tweets. I sure do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Uh, I'm a Virgo boy. Yeah. Tell us um, about it. Tell us about some Mercury in Virgo. <laughs> I, no surprise, I love Virgo transits because it's very familiar to me. So, um, but yeah, this is, I feel to harken back to something you mentioned. I feel like this is the ultimate, like, okay, we've seen the big changes coming. Now, how do we make a plan for it? Like, what are the actual, like, we know maybe it's like changing jobs or moving states or like some, something big. So like, what neighborhood do you know anybody in that area you can ask around? Like how much is the moving truck going to cost? Like these details and these um, component parts of a big thing. And with Mercury and Virgo, we're set up really well to do that. And we all, we also are moving into a relationship between um, these two earth signs, Virgo and Taurus, where Mercury can support the Taurus stuff somehow the the uranus the north node mars for a time and rather than bring up the arguments from leo from that square between these mm. fixed signs there's something where you know we're having the visceral experience we're we're assessing we're trying to be patient we're trying to take care of ourselves and the this mercurial this dose of like mercury and virgo might give us a little bit it's like being handed a toolbox with like all these specialized Mm. tools in it where it's like okay you needed to accomplish all these things well you have more tools to do so now so when i think of virgo transit transits especially with mercury i think of like using your tools like 
refresh your, your memory and kind of reassess, like, what can I do to help myself through this? And like, what does that actually look like day to day and moment to moment? So there's this organizational thinking it through principle that we get with Mercury moving into Virgo and being really, really fast. Like Mercury flies through Leo and Virgo, I feel like. So there's that uh, mental acuity with a quickness that we have, especially once we get this ingress. Yeah. It it feels like, even I talked about patience earlier, there does feel like a, you know, not resting on your laurels to some extent. It's like, we might have to be patient with some bigger things, but there's all these little things we can do in the moment that prep us and prepare us. And like you said, bring out the toolkit, get that information, you know, uh, people people on the ground or people are on the ground and they're trying, you know, getting the, getting the lay of all of everything. And and it's interesting that it lines up at the same time with basically the first quarter uh, moon in in Scorpio that's, you know, headed to the south mm-hmm. node. We see these, the change is here. We are pushing forward on change. And here we have this Mercury that's like, let's figure it out. Let's, let's put all these pieces of the puzzle together. Let's like really honor uh, what needs to change. You know, because if there's one thing that I always notice about Virgo, uh, planets going through Virgo and Virgo season in general, which it's not quite here yet, but spoiler alert, the new moon in Virgo is square Mars and Gemini. So there is going to, things are going to be moving. Um, Yeah. So there is this, yeah, it just seems to be this really big momentum to get things into transition and to honor what needs to be cha- that's changing. Um, and like you're talking about earlier with Scorpio and the, all that like stuff that that muck that's under, it's like oh, can't deal with that. It needs to be moved upon. Like we have to t- we have to conquer this challenge of what the Scorpio energy is bringing up. Um, and Mercury and Virgo is like the perfect placement to have Mercury there to really get, get moving, start figuring things out. Yeah. I just picture like Mercury and Virgo, just like pulling on the elbow high rubber gloves and being like, okay, you did not want to <laughs> clean out this basement, but the South mode and Scorpio said, clean out the basement. We're doing yeah. it right now. We're just going to get it done. I know you're going to move in three months, but we have to, but we can clean the basement now. And I love what you said about maybe you can't do the big thing yet, but there are small things you can do. And I think Mercury and Virgo can be good for like, what's the next step? What's the next thing I can take action on? Not the next 16, just the next one. And how can you support yourself by doing those things and taking it a little at a time of being like, maybe I can't clean out the whole basement right now, but I can at least go pick up one box, bring it into the light of day, take it out to the porch. If there's mildew in there, whatever, like the fresh air and like, take it a step at a time, but start, but do something sustainably. So, yeah. because it's the thing is like, it, you know, another thing about all the Taurus energy is you can start to feel stuck, but you know, what unsticks yes. you mm-hmm. is you, you go grab that box, you do that one thing. And then you, you know, that's essentially getting the ball rolling. And it's like, if you right. make big changes, like I think about, you know, I'm always talking about like, eventually we're going to move here. Well, I've lived in this place for 17 years. <laughs> Bet a cancer has things that they don't need. <laughs> and so it's like, I, I look at some of these places and I'm just like, oh, I got to go through that. I have to give away that. I got to do this. And you know what? If someone was like, Mel, you're going to move in five days, I would have a panic attack. Uh, <laughs> I would absolutely just be like, what? So think about that. Think about that with these changes, especially if they're really physical and earthy of nature, right? Yeah. Possession, you know, like the thing. 
these things take time. So get a, get a leg up uh, and yep. get in there. Um, now that being said, well, and that's an interesting, some of these transits that are coming up, we have on uh, uh, August 7th, on that Sunday, we have an interesting combination of Venus, who is trining Neptune, which makes me think of like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. But Mars is squaring Saturn at the same time. Talk about an interesting dynamic. So any, any thoughts about those two happening at the same time? <laughs> yeah, it it seems like it seems like Mars standing outside the door to Saturn's office and being like, I would rather do literally anything, but actually go to this quality control check meeting. Like I would rather do anything else. I already know there's going to be a lot to go over. Um, because I mean, there's Mars and Saturn hard aspects are just a lot. It's both, it's the malefic planets. They can be a little unpleasant sometimes and also very constructive, but it's, it's like uh, one of the ultimate little quality control check-ins with Saturn where maybe I think it might become, if it hasn't already, even more clear kind of what is holding us back and what we're holding on to that we mm. really, really need to let go of. Again, thinking about Mars um, ruling the South Node over there in Scorpio and being in Taurus. Saturn is is not a planet to really let things slide. So I think this this Mars and Taurus fixidity coming up against Saturn and Aquarius's fixidity might just bring a lot of clarity in a way that may be uncomfortable. Um, and it could just be as simple as being like, you know what? Mars and Taurus has been quite a transit and I'm really tired. Like I'm <laughs> tired. I'm tired of all the big picture perspective. I'm tired of looking at the thing on the horizon that's not quite happening yet. Um, and just really kind of feeling that in a visceral way. And with Venus being trying Neptune also, um, Neptune can be so visionary and so imaginative and so inspirational and can also just be really foggy. And sometimes it can, when there are these other things going on at the same time, sometimes Neptune trines can feel kind of like, Eh, I just don't want to do anything. I think I'm just going to take the whole day off. And like, I just, (laughs) I'm just going to repeat Sunday on Monday. Like, I'm just not going to do a Monday. Like, I'm just, I I can't do that this week or whatever, like that kind of feeling. But I wonder if knowing that this Saturn Mars square is coming, we could tap that Venus Neptune trine a little bit and take kind of an intentional breather. Like, really do it on purpose and be like, I'm going to face the hard thing. I'm going to feel it in my body. It may not feel good. And then the aftercare. Um, And nothing says like, you know, Venus, Neptune sort of care can look all kinds of ways, but it like really reminds me of the sort of cliche of just like cuddling up with like your favorite movie you've seen a thousand times. That's so nostalgic and just transports you to another world and just be like, yeah, I'm really tired and I'm going to take a big old break about it, like as much as possible. Um, so those are the things I think of when yeah. I see these two together. Absolutely. Because, you know, Mars and Saturn coming together, they can, uh, Saturn can definitely put, they, they can be those pauses for the cause, you know, where it's like, I just yeah. have to take, you know, because it's like sometimes we, Saturn gets in the way of the action. Um, yeah. 
but uh, you know, and su- Sunday is a day of rest, they say. Um, but if you mm-hmm. are doing something, say you say you do have to tackle something and you do have to show up and in that you're getting activated by Mars Saturn. I love the idea of aftercare. I can already see myself in the bath with some Epsom salts and some mm-hmm. lavender and like, just like, okay, I did this hard job. Now I'm going to relax uh, and, and get my, get my Venus Neptune uh, trying time. Uh, something else that came to mind too, because obviously I was just talking about my house. Like maybe you do have some Virgo things that you have to do. Maybe you are like, a uh, little have some cancerian tendencies. And sometimes you don't like to get rid of things because you have an emotional attachment to them, whether they're possessions or people, or mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes the hard thing to do is like let go of something. And so having Venus backing that Mars in a very uh, tangible, you know, possession oriented sign too. I'm thinking if you have anything to clean out and you have a hard time getting rid of things, this is the day where you're going to easily be like, someone else needs this. Charity mm-hmm. needs this. I can let it go because it's not serving me any longer and I can give it to the community. I'm looking at the bigger picture of things. So if you do end up having to do a a task or a job of some sort, you know, the moon is also in Sag at that time too. So there is kind of this, it's interesting. It might just want to play, you know, and have the pause, but it also could be wanting to, to jump into something that's future oriented and moving that transition along. But this just seems like the perfect recipe to me that if you have a hard time letting go of things and you need to do a job that's hard, this might be the day to do it where you're finally like, okay, I give in. I can let this yeah. go. I think that's such a beautiful take on this too, you know, with Venus ruling the North Node and Mars having to contend with like what it feels like to be so drawn in a North Node direction, but also be responsible for South Noting whatever needs to be South Noted. And I love this idea of like, a, a broader perspective, understanding and compassion and capacity for surrender with Venus and Neptune trying, you know, in these water signs. I just, I think that's really beautiful. I'm very inspired by this. I'm going to like, that's like, right. That's my birthday too. Well, not the, Is seven, it it's the eighth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so that'll be happening right on my birthday. So oh, interesting. Oh. exciting. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a uh, every ever <laughs> you're inspired i love it so take note people of what could be happening here with astrology there's all these different um there's always these different uh what's the word i'm looking for ways <laughs> ways to skin that cat i'm not trying to skin cats, <laughs> but you know <laughs> so many different um, ways it can manifest a huge spectrum you. yeah thank you the spectrum i love that there's a spectrum yeah. of uh outcomes that you can engage right. with so all right that being said let's let's carry on here um with our with, you know, just a couple of days later on the 10th and the 11th, just before. So we have an interesting lead up just before the, the uh, full moon in Aquarius at 19 degrees Aquarius on Thursday, the 11th, is that the 10th, basically the sun is going to activate this north, this nodal axis we've been talking about. It's also going to square Uranus. So here the sun comes in to be the first planet since Mercury uh, that Joe was talking about earlier about this activation point that's at the bending of the node. So, the, you know, the sun coming in and sun being in domicile, obviously that's a big, this is, this is a big piece and it's leading to the full moon on the 11th, which basically has this T-square. This is, this is tying in 
once again, we're getting nodal action, Uranus, and then we're getting Saturn. Um, And yeah, so talk about turning point once again. Talk about parasite cleanse coming at (laughs) you. Talk about parasite cleanse. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, like what a full moon to have after that new moon. And right. Yeah. And you know what it makes me think of too, with like this Leo Aquarius axis really activating the nodal axis and like this, this T-square action that we have going on. Um, a couple things. I, I myself will be kind of thinking back to what it felt like when we had Saturn and Mars and Aquarius squaring the nodal axis earlier this year. Mm-hmm. what kinds of larger themes were coming up because those are back. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're being activated kind of from these different angles now. Um, so I, I would think about that and kind of what topics came up, what things felt tender when, when pressed and all of that. And also um, last year was the first Leo season that we had a bunch of Leo transits like really activating that Saturn Uranus square because the year before, um, if I'm remembering correctly, Saturn was back in Capricorn. Like there, that activation didn't happen. So it's like, we are back to these Leo season activations now with the lunation really, really lighting up the nodal axis. And so what themes from then Leo themes, Leo Aquarius themes specifically are being sort of pitted against this nodal axis and those themes, because it's really like stretching both ways. And I think, you know, we've been talking about the Mars Uranus North Node situation in Taurus. We've been talking about like squares from Leo. And when it comes to this full moon, it's just like the, the fullest illumination point of those themes, really. That's how it seems to me. You know, Mars has made it past, but it's really about Uranus and Saturn, and it's really about this nodal axis. Absolutely. So it's like, what's the tension between Saturn and Uranus? That's a long-term theme that we've been kind of experiencing. And what what's the tension between the nodal axis too? Like, what are these core things that you're being asked to purge or let go of to make space for the things that you are so drawn towards that it feels like you must pursue them. And there's so much focus on them. And, um, I could ramble on and on and on, but I'm so (laughs) interested to see what you have to say about this lunation too. Cause it seems like a real, like a real peak with this Saturn Uranus nodal axis story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, just look at every single fixed house you have or fixed life mm-hmm, because that mm-hmm. is where that, that tension is lying. I love that you bring back, bring us back to uh, Leo season of 2021 because that was such a huge season. I was a big changing point in my life. And what was unique yeah. about that season too is we actually had two full moons in Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aquarius got absolutely lit up. And, and quite, like just an example for me, Aquarius is my fourth house. And that first one, I was, you know, the first zero degree, I was like living by myself. My partner had moved to Detroit, you know, 3000 miles away. Mm. I went to go visit him. There were talks about relocating, figuring that out. Then by the second, uh, you know, 29 or 28 degree moon, 
all of a sudden there was a split change and he was moving back here. And now we're, now we're here and now we're looking for a place, um, eventually to buy a home. And it's funny because this, this is exactly on my ICMC, this full, (laughs) this full moon. So uh, I I feel like for me, it's continuing on this theme. So you might want to look back to 2021, uh, and what was going on with Saturn Uranus there, because there could be like this really long developing scenario because these slow movers have been tying these areas of your life, you know, Aquarius, well, all the, all the fixed signs, but Aquarius and Taurus is specific. And this could be just a really long story that is continuing, you know, cause we've had to be so patient with all this. Um, so that's kind of the first thing that I see come up. And of course, having Saturn involved, like we're, we're being illuminated once again to like the reality the quality control, the strategy, mm-hmm. the plan, like how are we figuring this all out? Um, and maybe even moving forward to making a significant move at this point um, in the sense that, you know, because we got Mars uh, trining Pluto, we've got Mars sextiling Neptune, which is interesting. All these planets have gotten to, to Taurus and have to deal with these, uh, this, Pluto, Neptune, Saturn piece at the same time because they're all yeah. those 22 degree signs. So it, it's been creating an, um, uh, an interesting collection of transits that um, go with it. But that being said, it's I, I just feel like there something really comes to a head at this point. Um, and whether it's continuing the plan or taking the next step or like having to deal with obstacles that get in your way that have to be busted through, you know, that we keep talking about this, but that Mars Pluto component on top of it too, really is like, okay, I've got to do this. Maybe I got to do that hard thing. Maybe I do the yeah. Saturn thing. And like, finally I'm like, okay, my focus is here. I'm in it to win it. Let's do this thing. Um, so that's kind of what comes up for me there. But once again, it's this longer picture story. It's nothing new. It is continuation in my mind of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is so interesting too, how at the tail end of Taurus, we have like this, like we have, um, the square to Saturn, the sextile to Neptune, and then the trine to Pluto and it's like it these things are they go really deep and i love what you yeah. said about this mars trying pluto piece where it's like maybe it is time to like make that really big decision and like really like kind of say it with your chest and like really put your all into it like there's something about digging really deep when pluto's involved and with mars having made it past the square to saturn and maybe seeing some kind of hard truths or like really coming to terms with the reality of things, like finding that, finding our wills deep within ourselves to really kind of push through something. And, you know, I I do think these are longer term storylines as well. This time last year, like during August of last year, um, you know, I turned 30, I entered a seventh house perfection year. Um, and those two full moons in Aquarius were in my seventh house and I ended, uh, my 11 year relationship and like moved out on my own for the first time. Like, like big year of changes, spoiler alert. It was seventh house stuff. Everybody already knew that, um, changed my last name, all these things. And so here I am in this year and you know, it's the same 
things aren't going to repeat themselves because the circumstances are all different. Yeah. But it's still this, this first house, seventh house activation and these themes for me and like how the, even the nodal axis being in my fourth and 10th houses kind of create strain or tension or traction with these things. So I do think it's worth looking back and just seeing where these themes are coming up again and maybe where you have built skill by being through, by having gone through like the Saturn Uranus squares that we already have by being like, okay, I know the territory. Like I've been here before. Like remember that you have that experience and remember that this may be familiar terrain, but it's not the same. And maybe we can muster something really deep with this Mars-Pluto trine to where perhaps the obstacles and the challenges are familiar, but they're, but they're still new and we can approach them and show up to our lives in a new way around them as well. Oh, I love that. And it really speaks to what you were talking about earlier with Mercury and Virgo and pulling out that toolkit. Mm-hmm. Like this is part of our toolkit, past experience, what we, lived experience is our toolkit. Um, yeah. and so, you know, here we are back at this, this place. And when we talk about these, like major decisions taking place, uh, you know, being ready to do the work, you know, ready for that change, you know, because essentially the full moon on the 11th just gives way to the sun, you know, perfecting its opposition with Saturn, um, Mm -hmm. and Mars trining Pluto exactly on the 14th on that Saturday. So, you know, Thursday through Saturday, these are potent, you know, and the moon's moving through Pisces too. talk about like another transitionary space and kind of letting go and like almost melting into, you know, what it is that is, that is changing before that Aries activation that comes around. So, um, they're definitely, if you're on a fence about decisions or getting to that point, like this is a ripe territory to, make that change, make that decision, do, do a tangible thing that like Mm -hmm. gets things into, into motion. Um, and a very unique one at that. We're not going to see astrology like that. Keep in mind with this astrology that's going down right now is that it's not going to come back around in eight months time and two years time. It's like, if you're having a moment in your life where it's like, this is my moment, this is the, you know, you're having this moment for a reason because Mm -hmm. it's, it's big. And so show up to it, I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Ooh, yeah, we're both going through, that's because we have those (laughs) fixed, fixed rising. So we're getting activated in the the partnerships, the home, the the whole, the whole shebang. Um, Now I Fixed love what happens. Just yeah. you know, hang we're in there. It. It's gonna be okay. That's right. <laughs> I feel like it. we're. I feel like we're the poster of that little cat that's just yeah. hanging on the branch. It's like hang in there, baby. You've come this so far. True. Your grip so is is waning, but just stick it out. Um, now the thing I like about this to to continue on the theme of what you're saying with the toolkit is that Mercury is in Virgo is basically going to try and the trying Uranus on uh, the 15th and 16th around, around then, just as we're getting into uh, Aries moon territory. Um, and so it feels like whatever we're going through in those days, all of a sudden Mercury's like, okay, I see all these little, I see all these little loopholes. I see all this wiggle room. I see how I can like manipulate this here and there. I got my toolkit. I've got the enthusiasm of the Aries moon. 
Um, and so there's something about Sunday and Monday where it's just like, let, let's, to me, it's like, let's do this. I've got a new vision. I'm looking at things differently. I'm ready. Absolutely. And to me, like, like a Mercury and Virgo trine Uranus is like, let's try it a new way. Like, what if we did it this way? Let's see what happens if we do that. And it's like yeah. so many times, like that's where these really good ideas that do actually stick around and come from, uh, stick around for us. That's where they come from. It's just like that one little stroke of inspiration where we're like, you know what? I do it this one way all the time and I'm going to try it this way instead. And like, these are times that I feel are really ripe for that kind of thing as well. When we have that supportive, harmonious aspect between Uranus and Mercury. Yeah. And, and of course we know that the North node is there too. So we we're Mm -hmm. getting this whole, like, Oh, I see it. Let's do it. Let's, let's rearrange. Let's have that wiggle room, try it out. And all of a sudden we're on this new path. We're on this new way of doing things um, that we can then stick to to some extent. Mm-hmm. Like we have to make the change in our mind to change, but whatever it is that we change and figure out, we can kind of stick to and make that maybe a new method in some way, or at least a method for now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I like that. I like that. It's, it seems very promising for the 14th and the 15th and the Aries moon behind it. Um, now, another thing that's going on a couple of days later, uh, and we haven't really talked about Venus moving into Leo yet. I kind of glazed over that when we were talking about the, the full moon, since other players were getting a, a big response. But um, basically on the full moon on the 11th, Venus moved into Leo. So she's out of cancer. She is firing it up over there with the sun. Um, and on the 18th, she makes a trine to Jupiter retrograde there. Um, so let's talk about real quick about just Venus and Leo in general and kind of her initiating <laughs> connection of a trine to Jupiter, which I feel is, is supportive to this kind of new momentum that's building as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like this Venus and Leo might feel pretty welcome after, you know, because right before Venus moves into Leo, of course, she has to oppose Pluto, poor thing. Oh, um, and we I didn't even say that. Oops, we, I skipped over that for apparently a reason. I'm like, <laughs> uh, just so everyone knows, that's on the, uh, that's on August 8th, August 9th. Let's just, let's just back up. Continue what you're saying there, Joe. <laughs> Happy birthday to me, Venus. Oh, yeah. That's what you were looking at before. You're like, Venus. And I'm all, let's talk about Venus, Neptune, and Mars, Saturn. Oh, yeah. It's just, what what Pluto? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I can't confirm that Pluto. Yeah. Um, No, but that can be just really tender, you know? And so with Venus moving into Leo, um, especially after, with, with the sun's exact opposition to Saturn, when I think of like the sun in Leo and its domicile opposite Saturn and Aquarius and its domicile, I think of these like core solar things like pride and like pride in mm. ourselves and self-esteem mm-hmm. and how that can be really, really challenged by this cold, you know, kind of detached and distanced perspective of Saturn. That's like, yeah, but have you seen the new space pictures? You are literally a speck of dust. You barely even <laughs> exist in the grand scheme of things. And to the sun and Leo, it can be like, I know you're right, but it just feels really bad to think about. So um, Venus being what feels good, I wonder if there's just a little bit of opportunity to shake off some of the tenderness from that cancer transit of Venus and just 
kind of boosting our confidence a little bit, just giving us enough, a little opportunity to feel ourselves because don't we deserve it after this whole season of like fixed season where T squares <laughs> and, you know, Saturn Uranus and quality control checks. It's like, okay, but can I just feel really good about myself for a little bit after this? Um, cause we know Venus has to do the gauntlet also the big sign gauntlet. Yeah, she does. She does. But you know what? She just, she's like, you know, can it, can we just play? Can we just play yeah. for a hot just, second? <laughs> yeah. And just remember our joy and remember that, you know, there, we, we do have to follow our passion towards whatever the North node is drawing us toward because she's still in charge of this. True. This area where the North node is. So I wonder if this is like another, another aspect just that you brought up in the very beginning. That's, that's been really sticking with me in my mind, this idea of what lights us up and what are we passionate about? And the sun can bring that to us, any planet and a fire sign really, but there's, but there's something unique about Venus, the planet of like joy and pleasure being in this illuminating sign of Leo and kind of I wonder if it's partially with the, with the trying to Jupiter being a little bit about like finding the gratitude for ourselves because we have been probably busting ass and dealing with a lot during this, this, uh, big season with, especially with these lunations, with the sun being past the, the, um, the opposition to Saturn and whatnot. Maybe it's a little bit of a breather and a little bit of a, a welcome feeling of, you know what? I've actually done a pretty good job here. Like all things considered, I'm kind of feeling myself about it. Um, which I have yeah. a feeling will be welcome. Yeah, I, I love it. I, you know, I feel like, you know, Venus and Leo, this, this is a bold Venus. This Venus, mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna strut my stuff, I'm gonna do my thing. I've got that Jupiter juice behind me now. You know, I've been through Mercury has now like opened my eyes looking at things different with Uranus and the North Node mm-hmm. here. And now Venus is like. Venus is just kind of stepping into that more. It feels like whether that's through play and lightening up or through creativity or just following your passion or uh, being bold in your relating style or maybe even speaking out with or easily speaking up for the things that you want or the things that Mm -hmm. turn you on or, you know, like all these types of things. And and it's interesting that Venus is... uh, you know, we don't, we haven't really been talking about bounds or anything, but Venus is in her own bounds. And so, and Jupiter's in <laughs> Venus's bounds too. So it's like, it feels very, Ooh. Venus is like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm large. I'm in charge. Uh, if you wanted to make, like, try out a new style or something, like kind of put forth, like just kind of flare it up a little bit or try something new. This seems like a great day to, to give it a go. Um, yeah, it just it has a it has a nice feeling uh, about it, and we might need that after some yeah. things, after some <laughs> things go down. You know, uh, like you said, because you know Pl- Venus meeting Pluto, that's not a light transit. That usually brings up our own sensitivities. It brings up, um, you know, sometimes power issues and relationships. Uh, it brings up things that are just a little little mucky and and changes within our own harmonious beings, but also our ability to relate and be in a, in harmony with other people. A lot of times that transit's going to bring up something in relationships that you're like, Oh, I wasn't, I didn't want to deal with that. Or I didn't want to look at that. Or like, we've got to purify this in some way. And, And that's, that's a lot. 
So combined with the full moon and everything that's happening and sun, Saturn. So, you know, get excited about around August 17th, uh, give or take. And especially when the moon is in um, Aries too, just a few days prior, right? She's yeah. in the buildup. So that Monday that we were talking about with Mercury kind of lighten things up. Venus is in the mix too. Uh, and that moon is really supporting it. So I think that I'd say it's a fresh breath of air, but it feels like a fresh breath of fire. Um, but also, oh, yes. branded, you know, it's got, this, it's fiery, but it's also like, pra- like practical and like manifesting energy too. So I, I really Definitely. like this, this week of the 15th, uh, basically in considering what we've been through. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So now on, uh, not to scare anybody, but, uh, you know, sometimes we need that lighter stuff, but on uh Thursday, uh, basically when Venus is trining Jupiter, uh, we have a last quarter in Taurus. So this is going to put some pressure. Um, it's going to be somewhat near Mars, uh, Mars in the last throw of Taurus. So here we have this last quarter We're we're turning another fixed wheel pushing something. We're really activating that Taurus energy, but let's talk about Mars at the 29th degree of Taurus, uh, and then moving into Gemini on the 20th of August, because this is a big transition and it's going to start something that's going to be around for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it's, I'm, I'm so, so curious about how this Mars in Gemini transit is going to go. And it's, it's not lost on me that it's like last quarter moon, Mercury opposes Neptune right when Mercury has to rule Mars's ingress into Gemini. I know <laughs> it's, it's a major gear shift too. And I mean, even, even just as we had, um, you know, when Mars ingressed into Taurus, you know, a, a few, what is time? However long that was ago, Mercury uh, ingressed July into July 4th, I believe. Ju- on the of course. How could I forget? I <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So early July, we had this shift between Mercury and Mars into earth and water signs from fire and air. It's like we get Venus out of a water sign into a fire sign, and then we get Mars out of an earth sign into an air sign. So there's like another big tone shift that's coming with this. That's right after this, like last quarter moon. And then the moon's in Gemini also. Meanwhile, Mercury opposite Neptune um, between Virgo and Pisces, this so often I've noticed, especially for clients who are getting like Neptuned to their like yeah, placements, to yeah. <laughs> can feel like doubt. And Virgo yes. so dearly loves to have a handle on the details and to understand, you know, which are the controllable variables and how can we optimize? And when Neptune's involved, it can become very confusing. Mm. So it's like, it feel this feels to me like new territory, you know, that this is a new chapter of whatever it is. Maybe we found our courage for and mustered something deep with the Mars Pluto trine. And now it's like, you're, you're gearing yourself up and you like open the doors and like the inside looks like nothing like what you thought it did, or there's more going on. And suddenly there's new information. And like, it's going to be this process going forward with Mars of like how to navigate all this. And maybe we're enlivened by Uranus and Mercury Uranus and all that stuff. And we are really eager and excited to pursue new things and be curious about new ways of doing things. But I think the part of the danger with Mars in Gemini is 
getting our energy scattered by too many things, too many options, or feeling like we have to do everything at once now, which is a surefire way to just spin your wheels and run out of gas. And then, you know, then where are you? But it's just, it's such a major tone shift from having Venus and Mars in the earth and water signs. And now we're back to fire and air. So I'm very curious with a little bit of that perhaps doubtful, perhaps visionary Mercury-Neptune opposition. Um, Inspired one minute, totally doubting and in an <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally get it. Um, it. It is a big tone shift. I like that. I like that term for it because it's like, oh, we're so sure we were just Taurusing along. And all of a sudden we were like, oh, wait, hold on. Gemini is putting on all these different factors. And now Mercury is opposing... Neptune and like looking at you're like what am I what's happening what what did I just do where am I going like it's, you might need mm-hmm. a second and and don't you know take everything that's going through the mind with a grain of salt you know yes. around around the 21st and the 22nd because there's just going to be confusion in the air there's going to be interesting speculation going on there there is the visionary quality um that that Mercury in uh, Virgo can really piece out too. So this is, this is a thing that could happen here. Like maybe you get a grand vision, you can piece it out and then you can really focus on it with the trying to Pluto. Um, Or it could be some things come up when you're not, you're dealing with doubt and uncertainty, but then you're like, okay, now let me look at this. Let me focus on what's real here. Like, why am I thinking this way with the trying to Pluto? Like, I feel like Pluto can help flush out whatever Neptune kind of brings to the picture, whether that's helping to manifest mm-hmm. in some way or to, to move on from, you know, that, that doubt and uncertainty that comes up, but to absolutely Mars and Gemini speaking as a native, very familiar. <laughs> that's right. Like, let me, let me tell you all about some Mars and Gemini. You can spin your wheels. Don't try to like get run out of the gate and get it all done. Don't run out the gate when you got, when you're staring down Neptune, like give it a hot second (laughs) because it's, uh, yeah, you might, you might get all this stuff done and then you're not inspired about it anymore. Or you're like, didn't see it clearly or whatever. It's like, kind of sit with that, get like, get situated to the tonal shift. Yes. Because it's going to be here a long time. Not the Mercury-Neptune component, but Mars and Gemini is not going anywhere until March of 2023 because it's going to retrograde, um, which we've been pre preluding to in, in different podcasts here and online and whatnot. Um, but we do not need to rush anything that Mars and Gemini is doing, even though Mars is going to try. Like, I, I think about my Mars and Gemini, this is what's happened. Me in action is like, I know the steps I'm going to take like 20 steps in, in ahead. And so I'm literally moving and I already know what I'm going to do next. And then I'm going to do next. And then I'm, I feel like an octopus. Like I'm just like, yes. <laughs> and it actually feels really good when I'm in the flow. Um, but you know, you can burn yourself out that way. Uh, it can be a lot to take on. It's great for multitasking and stuff, but we're not quite there yet. We're going to have to go through all this area. So don't, rush into Mars and Gemini too quickly because you're going to stay there a long time. <laughs> and right. it, get, get situated with the tone. It's almost like feel the tone out because mm-hmm. um, that's, that's an area that's going to absolutely change. And, and, and there's the thing with too, we were talking about action energy with Mars and Gemini and either Mars and Gemini staying too busy and doing things that don't really matter in the long run 
guilty. Or, <laughs> or it's thinking about all the things that it needs to do or wants to do or et cetera. And then it's not doing anything because yeah. it's all burnt up in the mind before you can actually act. So keep these all in mind. I don't want to throw my Mars and Gemini or anybody else's Mars and Gemini under the bus here. Um, but these are some of the pitfalls to this, to this sign. And especially if we're not aware, I guess, of our use of energy within it. But to go with what you're saying, Joe, tone shift is the perfect way to put this because it is going to, it is going to be major. And that's basically how Leo season's going to end for us uh, mm-hmm. here. Oh, and then great. we go into a mer- a mer- mercurial season and then all that Gemini. Oh, well, yes. it's not a lot, but it's Mars and Mars is an important planet. Um, yep. so that being said, let's, I'm going to put your Virgo planets, the test of the, you know, if you had <laughs> one keyword to recap Leo season, just one word, what would it be? Mel, imagine me choosing just one word. I know. That's why I love. I lo- <laughs> That's I why know. it's a test. I, I know. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's oh, this is so tough because perhaps something like fortitude mm, like or that. resolve. When I wrote about Leo season <laughs> last year, I wrote about resolve, so it's like kind of cheating, but like. Uh, fortitude, like, like um, you know, understanding that, that like, there's a big shift this Leo season. Like there's, it's going to be a lot and it's like stuff, some stuff might be brand new. Some stuff might be stuff we've really seen before, but knowing that and kind of stealing yourself in a way where, you know, it's, it's not a hardening or a crystallizing, but it's just fortifying a little bit. So I think, yeah, I'll go with fortitude. I, I love that. I think that's yeah. a great word, um, and it really sp- speaks to the uh, the strength that comes yeah. along with Leo when we think about that. Um, so it's not even just what we're fortifying in life, but it's the fortitude to get through <laughs> get yeah. through life. So it does double duty. It's one word, but it's doing double duty. So Virgo yes. is satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Two words in one. Well, two words in one. That's right. That's right. Multiple meanings. Um, so, I guess the only word that comes up for me, and it's it's weird, it's not a descriptor, <laughs> but uh, I'm just thinking life. I know it's very vague, but and I could say live, but life. I, it's like I want to be very aware of what that is, where that lives what that means within me, you know, like, yeah, it's like, there's a vitalness to it. Um, and so if I uh, add a little descriptor to be what, what gives you life, (laughs) right. Brings life to you, but just life, like what, what does that embody in, in the self? Um, I think that's what I I would go through, go with. Um, and you know what you, when you determine what like life really means to you, like you best have the fortitude <laughs> to be able to follow that, to create that, to foundational, foundationalize. I don't even think that's a word. Um, it is today, uh, foundationalize that life. Uh, because I think that's, uh, you know, essentially we're going through a season of awakening, um, mm-hmm. in a big way. And these are all, uh, yeah, 
And so I'm ready to be awake. I'm, I'm ready to wake up some more. I'm ready <laughs> to feel you? that aliveness of Leo season. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm looking forward to it, honestly. That's, that's the only way to do it, right? Go go in with positivity, optimism, and the best of intentions. Yes. Um, so, all right, Joe. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Tell people where they can find you, what you got going on. Uh, give us all the details. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, you can find me everywhere online at Joe Maker of Ways. So that would be .com for my website. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Maker of Ways. And um, my books for August will open uh, during the last week of July. The best way to get a consult with me is to be on my mailing list. Um, I booked up kind of quickly for July, so I'm not really sure what's going to happen for August. But uh, if you're on my mailing list, you'll get you'll be busy first. (laughs) (laughs) I I think with yep, I think with the T square and my angles, (laughs) I will be busy. So (laughs) um, that's the best way to do a consultation with me. You can read all about like the kinds of consulting work I offer on my website. And um, other than that, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just plugging away on that. I'm hoping to do more writing this season as well. And you'll find all that on my website and on social media. So go, go seek out Joe, go find that maker of ways, (laughs) carving a path. <laughs> oh, doing uh, my and best. Pro- and you're probably gonna hear a little bit about the Hobbit, just just so you know. Oh yeah, it's uh, yes. There there will be Lord of the Rings references. There will be some Lord of the Rings, yeah. which I have yet to watch or engage with yet. The only thing I know about it is I played the Lego version on the PlayStation. Oh really? Which is which was really fun. I don't know if you played that. I feel like maybe, <laughs> but I have not. Oh really? Not. No, I oh. haven't. I can't believe there's a Lord of the Rings thing I haven't done. But uh, oh yeah, so but, that's yeah. the only thing I've done. It's all I know <laughs> about the Lord of the Rings is basically the Lego <laughs> games, and they don't speak. <laughs> in it they're always like, oh, right they just mumble and stuff and so that's all i know but yeah oh, that's anyways <laughs> all right well where can you find me you can find me over at energeticprinciples.com um of course i always share guest information over on my blog there on my astro blog so come on over uh to visit me there you can visit me on instagram at energetic principles and uh, basically at energetic principles anywhere you're going to find me Um, I am doing consultation work uh, as well, uh, but the big thing I have going on that's coming up here is my course, Chain of Command, that starts July 31st on that Sunday, on that crazy day we're talking about. Come join me for the Uranian (laughs) action uh, to learn about... it's about rulership and essential dignity, uh, but not... And it's, it's... It's... formulated for beginners, but you don't have to be a total beginner. It's like beginner to intermediate uh, because we're going to be looking at just rulership in general, and we're going to be looking at the major uh, dignities and debilities in each sign. So we're going to break down all the signs uh, that have these dignities or debilities uh, associated with them. Um, But also, what if you don't have one of those? What if you're a part of a looping chain or a planetary chain that just carries on and continues and somewhere doesn't end at all, has mutual reception? You know, all these types of things we're going to be diving into the course with to get this planetary nuance. And you you probably heard Joe and I talk about it a lot today when we're talking about looking to or deferring to. You know, this is very much the heart of what astrology is and uh, not just in mundane work and natal work and progressed work, all of it. So if you 
want to develop this part of your toolkit toolkit further, uh, this four week course, um, I think is going to be a good one. And the last week we're going to be doing housekeeping. And so we're going to talk about all the, all the houses then, uh, our, you know, what, what happens when planets rule houses and they have these chains or they don't, or is it's so much juicy details. Um, and the fun part is, is that it's all interactive and live and we are going to use, uh, student charts and it's, it's meant to be engaging. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, you have until July 31st to sign up and the course will be $200. Once again, energeticprinciples.com is where you can sign up for that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, if you think someone needs to hear about Leo season, which they probably do because it's mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah. Spread the yeah. word, send it to a friend, show that you care with Venus and cancer by being like, look, listen to this. You need to hear what's going on. You're not crazy. This is what, <laughs> <laughs> this is what's happening. Um, uh, leave a review where you listen to this podcast because it does helps, uh, it be seen further. Um, and really, yeah, that, that is about it. That's enough. So Joe, such a pleasure to have you back on the program. It it was a long time coming and I'm so glad you were able to join me again. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. These are always so much fun and it's uh, such an honor to be back. Oh, yay. So, all right. Well, good luck. (laughs) Good luck to everyone out there. (laughs) To you as well. Yes. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be wishing the best for, uh, everyone, everyone, the world, the planet, the universe. So take care out there, people. And as always, may the stars be with you.